Good morning. My name is Susan. And my name is Lila. And we will be reading today's scripture, which comes from the book of Psalm, chapter 68, verses 4 through 6. Please give your attention to the reading of God's word. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exult before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Amen. And now let's give our attention to the preaching of God's word. Thank you. Well, good morning. I'm Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here, and what a special day. I love just seeing so many of our families just with their kids and to be able to worship together, uh, to see how we worship modeled by you, I'm sure, uh, is going to make an impression. Uh, Today, I've entitled this message, Better Together, because I do believe that in this room, as we gather all together, we are truly better together. You know, we've been dealing with a pandemic, and, and it's been hard. But I also believe there's something else that's been really hard for many of us. There's another kind of epidemic, and that is loneliness. There's an article in the New York Times, it was 2018, so pre-COVID, it says this, America is suffering an epidemic of loneliness. According to a recent large-scale survey from the healthcare provider Signum, most Americans suffer from strong feelings of loneliness and a lack of significance in their relationships. Nearly half say they sometimes or always feel alone or left out. 13% of Americans say that zero people, zero people know them well. So this article was in 2018, that was before, that was pre-COVID. Now after COVID, where we are today, a lot of studies, a lot of research says it's only gotten worse. Loneliness has increased. People feel even more disconnected and isolated. I know I've talked to many of you and that this is a common struggle. Some reports show that the highest uh, percentages of those who feel seriously lonely 61% young adults. All right, 61% of you young adults struggle with serious loneliness. And the other highest percentage, mothers with young children, 51%. Is that you today? Is that you today? Do you feel unseen, unknown? Maybe you're sitting here in the pews and you feel anonymous, that people don't really know who you are, What's going on in your life? Maybe you feel like there's no one to really celebrate things with, no one to really grieve things in your life with. Or as the weekend approaches, you look at your calendar and it's empty. There's no plans because there's no people. Maybe it's another meal that you're eating alone. Or most of your friends are either married and they have kids, but you're, but you're single. 
Or maybe during holidays when everyone looks forward to being with their family, you, you don't. And you feel left out because your family's not like that. Or maybe you have contacts on your phone and you have a good amount of contacts, but none of them are people you feel comfortable to just hit up and call. You can't really remember the last time you've really, and I mean really, opened up to someone. I think all of us have felt those feelings at some point in our lives. Maybe you feel it now, those feelings of loneliness. And we know the effects of loneliness are also very serious. That loneliness can lead to depression, to anxiety, heart disease, drug abuse, and even a shorter lifespan. In other words, COVID kills, but loneliness also kills. And my goal today is to, I think we've got to address this. As a church, we've got to, and we have a unique opportunity to speak into this modern day challenge where so many of us feel so lonely. Now, I don't think we can get rid of it entirely, but my hope is that with this time, instead of, to to get us to a place that instead of feeling lonely most of the time, With few moments of connection, my hope is that we can feel connected most of the time with few moments of isolation. That we would believe we're much better off together, but not just to believe it in our heads, but to really experience it. And that's different, right? To experience it here in this community for real. So today, just three points. Uh, Why we need community, why community is hard. And then how community is built. So first, why we need community. Why, why do we need each other? Well, Genesis 2 verse 18, the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Right? The very first book of the Bible, when God is creating everything, there's this pattern. He creates something and then he says, it is good. And the first time he says something is not good is when he creates man and man is alone. In other words, we were created for relationships. We're created for community. We get our identity from it. And that's why who we love and who we think, uh, who we think loves us plays such a big part in making us who we are. Right? In other words, how you think about yourself is dependent on the people around you oftentimes. Right? You can't just say to yourself, uh, everyone in the world, even the people that are closest to me, they think I'm a terrible person, but I don't care. I love myself. We know that's not going to convince us of our worth. We all care about what people say about us. The question is just, who are those people? Are those family members, mom or dad? Maybe it's your friends. You care a lot about what your friends think about you. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a mentor. Maybe for some of you, it's your online community. Maybe for others of you, it's your social media comments. We we all care. You see, we all care because we're meant to get our identity outside of ourselves. And the greater that person is to you, the more of an impact it's going to have on your view of yourself. 
And this is why so many of us maybe who've grown up with parents where you were pushed so hard, where you just never felt good enough, some of you still struggle with that today. You, you carry that insecurity. You're always trying to prove yourself because those voices are still in your head. You know, we know that what people think about us, what they say about us matters because we were created for community. And this is not a surprise because this originates, this desire for relationships and communities, it comes from God himself, right? Christianity, really the only religion in the world where we have a God who has always been in community, right? We call it the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has always been in relationship. And as those made in his image, we're meant for that too. We're created for that. The theme of relationships and community is all throughout the Bible, right? Most of the examples where there's commands to you, right? I will be with you all to the end of the age. That you is almost always plural. I know the English Bible, it doesn't make that super clear because you can be either plural or singular. But most of the time, it is plural because it assumes that we're in community. Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, we were created with the need, a need for one another to be together, to meet together, and how much more better is it on this side of Zoom, right? I know a lot of us are sick of those Zoom meetings. It's just not the same as being in person with someone. And we cannot neglect to meet together because we were made for that. And if God is for us to have community, we also need a fight. There's an enemy, Satan, who's anti-community, who wants to divide and conquer. And so we need to fight that lie, that you don't need others, that you're fine on your own. We were not meant to live that way. Now, maybe you agree, okay, I uh, wholeheartedly agree with that. I want community. I know I need it, but I don't have it, and I'm lonely, and it's hard. It's hard to find. It's hard to get. So what do we do? What do we do? Why is it so hard? Why is community so hard? This brings us to our second point. And I want to look at why it's hard. And I think a big part of why it's hard is because we lose people. We lose people that we were in community with. Right? Psalm 68 verse 5. These two groups of people are people who have lost community. The fatherless. The widows. Right? They've lost, the, maybe you've lost a spouse or you've lost a parent. You've been orphaned. You had community, but they're no longer with you. They've passed away. Now, maybe you're younger, and it's a little hard to relate to statements or passages like this, but I want you to really think about it. Think about this, that if you live long enough, you'll fall into this category. Right? Think about it. If we live long enough, people will be lost. And this may be us. People die. Second, a second reason 
We lose people when they move. We lose people when they move. Israel, in this psalm, is engaged in war, right? There's war happening, and when war happens, right, people are forced to relocate. They're forced to move. Families are separated and split apart. Now, we're grateful that here in our current stage of life and culture, we don't maybe need to worry about that so much, but we're also very familiar. We're, we know that people move a lot all the time. We live in a time where people hop around from job to job, move around from place to place all the time, more than they've ever done in history. People are not rooted anymore. Maybe you feel that way where you're moving so much that you keep starting over. The community you had, you keep letting go. And it keeps on resetting. Third, we lose people when they change. When they change, you grow apart. I know we had some youth students. I remember uh, when we first started meeting up again, and I remember asking a group, hey, aren't you excited for school? And, and I was surprised by the answer from some where they express, I'm, you know, no, I, I'm kind of scared. I'm scared because we haven't talked in a while, and I think it's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. I don't know if I could still talk to them the same. What if they're different? What if they've changed? Right? People change. The relationships we've been in changes. Maybe you've changed. The person pre-COVID isn't the same person post-COVID. And because of that, we feel like we lost someone. And because we lose people, we get hurt, right? We're, we're hurt. And because we might lose people, we're afraid to get hurt. And because we're afraid to get hurt, sometimes we don't put ourselves out there. We don't want to take those risks. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. See, part of love and part of being in relationships and in a community means that we've got to be open to being hurt. We've got to be open to pain and sorrow. That just comes with love. And the only alternative, the only other option is to wall, to set up walls, to, to keep people at arm's length, to create distance. But some of us, maybe we feel that way. It's, it's better off to not be seen than to be seen and rejected. Isn't that why with technology, that's what we do on social media. We're, we're lonely, but we're afraid of intimacy. So we prefer, we prefer to, te to text, to post, to email, rather than to talk because we have a little more control. We could edit, right? We could edit ourselves and we can think a little bit more about how people are gonna take us because real relationships in real time can get messy. It's scary. We'd rather clean it up, but we all know, we all know that social media doesn't paint the full picture. What we post isn't the full picture, and sometimes we feel fake, and we still feel unknown. We still feel alone. I think a big part of why community is hard uh, it's because we have unrealistic expectations of people. 
And we need to be okay when people fail us because they will. People are sinful and broken. I'm sinful and broken. You are too. And that's why relationships will be messy and we need to expect it. The Bible expects it, which is why there's so many commands to forgive. Right? Think about it. There's so many commands that tell us to forgive one another because it's assuming things are going to get messy. You're going to have to work through stuff. You can't just ghost people. You can't just uh, cut people off just like that and have nothing to do with them. You see, to forgive, to forgive each other means you've got to be close enough to hurt one another. Right? Think about that. To forgive one another means you've got to be close enough to hurt each other. We've got to get close. Now, Christians, I think of all people, should be the best at this. We should be really good at this. Why? Because forgiveness is how we're brought into God's community. Right? Jesus drew close enough. He didn't stay out of arm's length. He had every reason to. He was betrayed. And, and he had every reason to stay away, to distance himself, to ghost us. But he did not. He drew close. He drew close. He drew so close that he would take on our sins and our shame upon himself. He took on the rejection and the loneliness of the cross in order to guarantee you, you'll never be lonely. You'll never be truly alone because I will be with you always. I will never leave nor forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the age. See, in Jesus, we're fully known, flaws, sins, and all, but still embraced, fully loved. He's seen us at our worst, but he loves us with his best. And he gave his life to make us family. And I love this. It gets even better. He didn't just give his life to make us family with himself. He also wants us to be a family with one another. And so get this, John 19, 26 to 27, on the cross, Jesus' final moments, He says this, when Jesus saw his mother, Mary, and the disciple whom he loved, John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. You see, two people unrelated, he made them family. Jesus was thinking about you, he was thinking about me, and he was trying to bring us in. To a family, he was saying, I'm not going to be physically present. I will be with you always spiritually. Of course, yes, but it gets better. Physically, you're going to have way more spiritual mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, sons, and daughters. A hundredfold. And this is how that community is built. This brings us to our last point. Right? Jesus builds this community of the church this way. God sets, I love the NIV, God sets the lonely in families. And how he does that is right here. He sets us in families. He sets those who feel alone in this community here at Christ Central. I got two things for us that will hopefully help us with community building. First, it's community is built over commonalities. Right? All meaningful relationships built on commonality, it's just different. The question is just what is that relationship built on? Is it common? Common last name? Maybe your family, you have a common last name. 
Maybe it's common interests, common hobbies, common school, common workplace, common stage of life, right? You name it, there's things that your relationships are built on because you have things in common. So what about Christians? What about our community? Well, our community is built on a common faith, but I want to highlight two things that are really important that I think we need to recapture. Maybe we don't do well, and it's this, the first common condition, all right, our common condition is that we are, we read it in the confession today, we're sinful. We're sinful. Hebrews 3 verse 13 says, but exhort one another, exhort, encourage, challenge, charge, support one another, right? Every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We all sin. We all sin. Sometimes we're deceived by our own sin, So we need each other. You see, because we're sinful, we need a confessing community. Our goal is to follow Jesus, to look like Jesus and help others do the same. And that's going to require us to be involved in each other's lives, even in the dark parts. That we need to be calling each other out of hiding and into the light, that growing in godliness is not something you do alone, but it is something you do together. It's a group project, and we need each other for this. Satan wants us alone. He wants us isolated, feeling guilty. God wants us connected, feeling free. And the best way we can do that is to confess and share our sins, to give others access to the deepest and darkest parts of our lives, of course, save people, right? But to give certain people that access because we know we cannot really fully be loved if we are not fully known. That we've got to share with others in order to let others in to care. And we know that love, when it's expressed in those vulnerable moments, when you're embarrassed and you're ashamed and all, all that's on your mind all the time is this sense of guilt over things you've done, we need people to help carry that. People to say, I see you. I see those dark, hard, struggling areas of your life, but I still love you. And I'm going to choose to stick around. We'll wrestle together. We'll do this together. We need that. We need to be a confessing community. You see, uh, in my mid-20s, uh, I remember I was going through some counseling, and uh, it, it dawned on me that I didn't have, like, real friends. Maybe some of you feel this way. I know I share this with our young adults a lot because some of you share, like, you're in that same place now. Uh, but you just feel like I hang out with people. We have fun. We play basketball. We, we mess around. We joke around. But people don't really know me. Like, they don't really know what I'm going through, the dark thoughts I wrestle with. People don't know me. And that was me. I felt like I didn't have real friends. And I remember during this season talking to people, and people encouraged me, hey, this is awkward, but try and go look for it. And I remember I did. I thought of mature believers that I knew, kind of knew of, they they knew me, and I just asked them, I said, hey, I don't have this. I don't have people I can confess sins to. I feel like people don't really, when we do that, 
People don't really care too much about it. They don't follow up with me, but I need that. And I want people in my life that will care more for my growth in Christ than I will at times care about for myself. And I remember two brothers, we were talking, and by God's grace, they, they said yes. They said, hey, we don't, we don't have it too. Let's do it together. And so this group, we, we made a group. We set questions where we would ask every time, every time we met, there's set, a set number of questions, and they always made us go deep. There were questions that it tried to expose our struggles. What are the things that you're tempted by? And then the last question was like, uh, uh, did you lie about anything? And that group, I can't tell you where I would be without that group today. And after we meet, we would schedule our next meeting day because we're committed to not neglecting to meet together. We know we need it. We need it. It's a priority. We need community. And I hope and I pray that we can all have that. We can all experience that. Uh, second, second commonality, common mission. A common mission that those who are truly part of Jesus' family are going to be quick to invite others into the family. Right? You only really get the gospel, you only really understand and get the gospel if you're trying to give it away. In other words, you're only really part of the family if you're trying to grow the family. John 13 verse 35, it says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, I think today one of the best proofs for God, it's changed. I don't think it's so much logic and reasoning, giving good arguments for God. But I think today in our day and age, what matters most to people is, am I going to experience the love of God with you who claims to know the love of God? Right? In other words, the more, the more we can reflect a tight-knit family, I think the more likely people are going to want to join and be a part of it. And of course, the opposite is true. The more we don't do that, people aren't going to want to be a part of the church. And most people that don't like the church, it's not usually because it doesn't make sense or the reasons. I mean, there are some, but most of the time it's because they've been hurt, right? They've been hurt by people in the church. And so we have a common mission to show love, to reach out, and we got to do that better, and we got to do it together. Second, second, commit. We got to commit. Commit to initiate. Commit to initiate. This is a funny quote. I watched a YouTube video on a TED Talk on friendship, and there is this YouTube comment, and it said this, I'll forever wish they would love me the way that I refuse to love them. And I remember I laughed and chuckled reading that comment because it's so honest. It's so real. And so many of us operate this way. We, we do this, right? We're afraid of rejection, so we're unwilling to take the first step. We take the safer approach. We, we wait and see. We wait for others to befriend us. But if we want friends, I'm going to tell you now, we got to be willing to put ourselves out there, to initiate. You'll never find good friends if you're not willing to be a good friend. You'll never have community if you're not willing to build it, to shape it. So we got to initiate, reach out first, 
Follow up with somebody. Check in often. Show up. And initiate especially with the lonely and the vulnerable. Right? In the verses we read, God, he praises for God. God, the one who rides through the deserts. This is military language. God is a big deal. And usually people who are a big deal, we kind of assume they're going to be hanging out with other people that are big deals. Right? Those who are cool or popular or give us something. But I love how God always associates most with the weak and the needy. Widows, fatherless, lonely, prisoners. Right after service, when we go out to fellowship, how how quick are we to spot out people who are alone, who maybe came alone? Right, young adults, 61%. High chance that they feel lonely. I know it's easy, it's convenient to just, all the more with the kid now, it's easy to just spend time with just your, your, your nuclear family. It's easy to just be with the same group, your friend group. You always go out to eat. But I do want to challenge us to keep our eyes out for those who are lonely. God always does that. Right? We had Father Day, Father's Day last week. We need to be thinking about the fatherless. When we have family-oriented holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, think about the widow. Right? We want to think about the lonely and let them know they're not alone. They're in our thoughts, in our hearts, and welcome in our homes. Second, second before we end, we got to commit time. We got to commit time. Uh, there's one study that showed a university professor who did some research and he showed about a, 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 a person can handle about 150 meaningful relationships. All right, 150. So if you're the type, you got Facebook, Instagram, you got a thousand friends, hey, they're not your friends, okay? They're not your real friends. All right, 150, about 150 meaningful relationships. We can't handle much more than that. And then it suggests that only 50 of those people probably considered like a friend. The others, other 100 probably just acquaintances. Hey, you see them, but hey, come on. They, let's be real. They don't, they don't really know, know you, okay? 50 people, maybe your friends, and then only five intimate friends, like best friends. All right, five. And then another study showed how, uh, how do you get to these different categories? Like how do you move to, from like an acquaintance to like the five, right? The five intimate friends, and one of the studies, it, it said the common, the common trend is time spent. In, in other words, you got to put in the hours. On average, it showed about 50 hours of interaction to move from like an acquaintance to a casual friend. 90 hours for a casual friend to, to be more than that, like a, a, more, a better friend. And then if you want a, like a best friend, close, like your closest friends, it says you got to log over 200 hours, about 200 hours. I'm sure this applies to relationship with God as well, all right? If you log like no hours with God uh, in prayer, the word, you probably, God is not your best friend probably. And it makes sense why he's not, right? Hours. How many hours do you spend with the people you say are closest to you? Is it over 200 Maybe one big reason for our loneliness is that we're not willing to commit the time and the energy, the investment to build up these friendships, this community. 
And we got to do that. We got to show up. We got to be willing also for others to let them in, for them to show up for us. And at times it's going to be demanding. It's going to be inconvenient. People are going to annoy you. Yes. You're going to have to practice forgiveness. Yes, but it's worth it. I guarantee you it's worth it. The alternative, we know we're not meant for that. We're not meant to be alone. At our church, there's a lot of ways you can show up, right? First, in this room, showing up on a Sunday. Show up to the fellowship area after service. Commit to initiate with someone new. Ask someone to grab a coffee sometime, right? You can show up to events. You can show up to summer clubs. You can show up to small groups when they resume. You can show up to serve. We had our VBS last week, and it was such a good, intimate time. I know a lot of us, we felt like, man, there's something happening where community is building. I feel closer to people that I didn't know very well. Yeah, it's not a surprise. You spent about 20 hours together, right? You put in, you're putting in the hours. And so we're not surprised that community is forming. You see, happiness and satisfaction, they don't ultimately come from convenience, a comfortable life. They don't ultimately come from achievements or accomplishments, but they come from deep, meaningful relationships. And my hope and my prayer for us at Christ Central is that the lonely can come and be set in families here. And this is going to take effort and work. It's going to be messy and demanding at times, but it's worth it, and we got to fight for it. And we got to fight against that lie that we don't need each other, and we have to fight to believe that we are better together. We all have our part to play. We need each other. Today, we, we get to partake in communion. Communion, it's... It's something special. It's, you know, in every culture, every community, we have people who consistently and regularly come together around food, right? You, you do that. We come around food, we come around a meal, and that's what we're doing now. We come to the table, the table of reconciliation where God brought us into his family and he brings us into a family with one another here. And we can leave behind our loneliness and we can enjoy this gift, this gift of community by showing up, by showing up to this table again and again. What is, commun uh, what is communion? Communion, uh, it isn't for everyone. It is for those who are part of this family, the family of God, who've been baptized those who've been baptized and made a public profession, who've publicly confessed Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He's the Savior of my sins. If you have not done that yet, we kindly ask that you not participate in this time. Do something better. Uh, pray, ask questions, maybe ask your parents what is happening right now. Uh, learn about our faith, what we believe. And there's always an open invitation to join this family. But this is a family meal. At this time, I want to invite the officers who will be distributing the elements to come up. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can call you Father, that you forgive us 
that you love us, that you know everything about us, even parts of ourselves we're embarrassed about, but you never pull away. And Lord, if you can do that for us, help us to do that for each other. And would we all take responsibility to help make this community a community that you would be pleased by, a community where your love would be so felt, and a community for those who are lonely, that we would experience deep connection and those moments of loneliness will be few and far between. Thank you, thank you for your blood and your body that binds us together. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen.